Alright, Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa zil wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala anihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Al-Fatih lima uglik al-Khatim lima sabaq al-Nasr al-Haqi bin Haqi wa al-Hadi ila suratika al-Mustaqim wa ala anihi wa sahbihi haqa qadrihi wa miqdarihi al-Azim. So we left off in this chapter, still in the chapter of fasting. All of these sub-chapters, uh, sections are what we're in. We're in the section on Fada'il al-Sawm. Fada'il al-Sawm. On the virtues of fasting. <coughs> and now the author continues uh, in the riwayah. Nafa'allahu wa yahu bi'ulumihi fiddarin. Ameen. Abi Umamata radiallahu anhu qultu ya Rasulullah. مرني بأمر ينفعني ينفعني الله به قال عليك بالصيام فإنه لا مثل له. ما شاء الله. اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد. أبو أمامة. He said to the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم, O Messenger of God, command me towards something that will that by which Allah will benefit me. Command me towards something by which Allah will benefit me, which is a very interesting expression. Right? He's not saying, command me to something that I can benefit. His focus is not on his own personal bringing benefit to himself, but Allah bringing benefit to him. So he said, tell me something that I can, uh, that Allah will benefit me by it. Tell me something that Allah will benefit me by it. So he said, uh, uh, you should take hold of fasting because there is nothing like it. Pay attention to fasting because there is nothing like it. La mithlala. There's nothing like fasting. Nothing is on the same level as fasting. And of course we saw that in the hadith that came before it. That's idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that every deed is multiplied by 10 to 700 times except for fasting. Fasting is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He rewards as He wills. And we spoke about kind of like this idea of the incredible intimacy of the fast as an act of worship. Um, if if one is really attentive in the fast, if the fast just becomes a prohibition of food and drink, then it's just a prohibition of food and drink. But if the fast becomes more than that, that you know I'm going to fast and my entire focus is going to be on Allah, and I'm going to hold Allah close to me, in a sense metaphorically, as I'm going through this fast, and nobody's going to see that other than Allah. It's only between me and Allah. This is why fasting has such a tremendous reward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to fast, the tawfiq to fast. And uh, if we're not able to fast um, from food and drink, may Allah give us the ability to fast from other things that are not beneficial to us, such as speaking when not needed, such as talking about other people, uh, and many of these other maladies that we suffer from. May Allah forgive us, and myself included. Next section is Faslun fi asli sawmi wa bayan wa So like what this section is on um, Like what is the foundation of this fasting And when when do we do it What is this fasting predicated upon And when do we do it عن البراء رضي الله عنه قال كان أصحاب محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا كان الرجل صائما 
فحضر الإفطار فنام قبل أن يفطر لم يأكل ليلته ولا يومه حتى يمسي وإن قيس بن صرمة كان صائما فلما حضر الإفطار أتى امرأته فقال لها أعندك طعام قالت لا ولكن أنطلق فأطلب لك وكان يومه يعمل Okay so this is a long narration It's an interesting narration So we're going to have to I'm just going to uh, work through it piece by piece Inshallah Actually maybe I'll read the whole thing So that it can kind of stick together It's almost It's half done now فأطلب لك وكان يومه يعمل فغلبته عيناه فجاءت امرأته فلما رأته قالت خيبة لك فلما فلما انتصف النهار غشي عليه فذكر ذلك للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فنزلت هذه الآية أحل لكم ليلة الصيام الرفث إلى نسائكم ففرحوا بها فرحا شديدا ونزلت وكلوا واشربوا حتى يتبين لكم الخيط الأبيض من الخيط الأسود من الفجر So this narration uh, Oh man, there's another, there's another narration of it Let me continue وفي رواية كان الناس على عهد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا صلوا العتمة حرم عليهم الطعام والشراب والنساء وصاموا إلى قابلة فاختان الرجل نفسه فجامع امرأته وقد صلى العشاء ولم يفطر فأراد الله أن يجعل ذلك يسرا لمن بقي ورخصة ومنفعة فقال سبحانه علم الله أنكم كنتم تختانون أنفسكم فتاب عليكم وعفى عنكم الآية So there's two stories here as to the revealing of this particular ayah of the Quran. So we'll read them one by one. The first one, Bara ibn Azib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, the companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is what they used to do. So he's saying, this is what they used to do. If the person was fasting and the time for iftar came to break the fast, uh, then and, and if he fasted, I mean, I'm sorry, and if he fell asleep before he broke his fast, he would not eat until the next night. So they would fast and they would have to eat before they sleep. And if they slept, then it's done. They have to wait till the next day. This is how they used to do it. Uh, so he says, uh, this man, Qais uh, ibn Sirma, he was fasting. And the time for iftar came. So he went to his wife. He told her, Do you have, is there any food? She said, no, but let me go get some. So she went out to go look for some food. And on that day, he had had like a really difficult work day. So his eyes overtook him, meaning he fell asleep. And when his wife came back and she saw him, she was like, oh man, this is bad. Basically, she said, oh man, this is bad. And uh, then when the, when the middle of the next day came, he passed out. So he was fasting all day. He fell asleep. Couldn't break his fast. So he was fasting then the next day. Complete fast. And then the middle of the day came and he passed out. And that was mentioned to the Prophet wasallam. And then this verse was revealed that said On the night of fasting One can be intimate with their wives And they were very happy about that And then the rest of the verse which was revealed Or wives or spouses I should say One can be intimate with their spouses Wives is specifically mentioned in the verse So that's why I said that But it applies both ways uh, So they were really happy about that But then the rest of the verse said also And you can eat and drink until basically until Fajr comes So now the verse changed the rule It said Once sunset comes 
up until Fajr, you can do whatever you want. Sleep, stay awake, eat, drink, have intimacy with your wives, your spouses, whatever it might be. Uh, in another narration, there was a man in the time of the Prophet them. These are, of course, interesting narrations too because like... I, I don't want to overdo this point because I think sometimes people overdo it. Um, but the Sahaba, عنهم, they were also human beings. And although they are the greatest generation of people ever, uh, from them are Abu Bakr and Omar and Sayyidina Uthman and Sayyidina Ali, and from them are other companions. They might be like, you know, middle of the middle of the route companions, so to speak, of anyone who was a companion of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. They're far beyond anything we can even imagine. But still, just say they were like human. They had human issues sometimes. And uh, also sometimes, you know, uh, something maybe is happening, like Allah decreed maybe for things to happen in order for rulings to become clear and so on and so forth. Wisdoms can be taken from them. Anyways, then the, another narration says, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, if they prayed Aisha, after that, food, drink, and uh, marital relations were out. So if they're fasting, they, once they pray Aisha, it's over. So they only have that uh, that small window. So there was one uh, until the next evening. So there was a, uh, a man who deceived himself, which is an interesting expression because that's what we often do. We deceive ourselves. We tell ourselves these stories and we make excuses and then we do things that we probably shouldn't be doing and we justify it to ourselves. And then afterwards you look back on it and you're like, how did I justify that to myself? That was completely ridiculous. It's the nefs. The nefs is a dangerous drug. Uh, so he says, he, he, this, this man, he deceived himself and he had relations with his wife. And he had already prayed Esha. And he hadn't broken his fast. So he hasn't broken his fast. He already prayed Esha. He goes and he has relations with his wife. And Allah made that like the reason to make it clear to people that this facilitation exists or there's an easier way. And that is that uh, this verse is revealed that Allah knew that you were deceiving yourselves and you were struggling with this basically so he pardoned you that which you did and um, and he returned in repentance to you and now uh, this this other ruling comes with it too this is like a set of verses in Surah Al-Baqarah so this is one of the verses عن سلمة بن الأكوع رضي الله عنه قال لما نزلت هذه الآية وعلى الذين يطيقونه فدية تعام مسكين كان من أراد منا أن يفطر ويفتدي فعل فعل حتى نزلت it seems like there might be a word missing here uh, I would imagine your guys is the same but I'll check just in case um, Oh, no, what am I saying? Okay, it makes sense. Uh, if they wanted to do that, they would do it. <coughs> the mind is so interesting. When I looked at it here, it didn't make sense to me. Then when I looked at it on the PDF, it made sense. I'm looking at the same thing. SubhanAllah. Allah give us insight. Allah give us understanding. Allah lift the veils from our minds from understanding things. نزلت الآية التي بعدها فمن شهد منكم الشهر فليصوم فنسختها. 
So this verse now is talking about, or this hadith is talking about a different issue. Saying Salama ibn Akwa, he said that this verse, when it was revealed, there was the first verse revealed. So if you go to the verses in fasting in Surah Al-Baqarah, This is the verse. This is the part he's talking about. That this Allah says fasting is prescribed on you, and then it says, for those who are capable of fasting, um, or for those who don't, that's fine. But then there's like those who are capable, but they don't have to. So what ha- what what this is is that there is actually a progression in the obligation of fasting. The um, this this progression here, this stage of it, is at the stage of you can fast or you cannot fast. But if you don't fast, then you have to pay for a day that you di- that you missed. You have the choice, fast or pay the day. Uh, so, and that's what the verse is saying. Uh, and then the verse, uh, after after that it says, وَأَنْتَسُومُ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ And if you fast, it's better for you. Okay? Then the next verse comes, after that, this is like the next progression. شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِمْ قُرْآنَ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِنَ الْهُدَى And then the verses are almost exactly the same, but they're slightly different, which indicates now you don't have that choice anymore. Now, if you and th- unless you have the excuse of being a traveler or being sick, you have to fast every single day. And, you know, then this ruling of paying for not being able to fast only applies to the person now who has an illness or has reached an age where fasting is not possible for them. And so they, they, they pay the charity on behalf of that day. But otherwise, you have to do it. So the, the, what, the, what the hadith is saying is that when that first verse was revealed, those who wanted to break their fast would break their fast and then they would pay the fidya. They would pay the expiation until the other verse was revealed that says, uh, whoever witnesses the month from amongst you, then they should fast it. So that one replaced the one before it. And this is the idea of um, abrogation, which is a huge topic in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Which is like, can there be a verse that changes the ruling on a verse that came before it? And generally speaking, the answer is yes. It's there in the Qur'an. Uh, The debate is, does the old ruling apply for particular situations or not? But most scholars said it just, uh, if if it replaces it, it replaces it. There's other verses as well, so it's not just this one. Next hadith. An Abdi An Adi ibn Hatim radiallahu an Kala Lama Nazarat Hata Yatabayana Lakumul Khaitul Abiyadu min al Khaitul Aswedi min al Fajr Kultu Yarasunullah Indi Ajalu Tahtawi Sadati Ikalain Ikalan Abiyad wa Ikalan Aswad Aadu Fulayla min al Nahar Zada Firiwaya Fajal to Anduru Fulayli Fulayas Tabinuli فَقَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامِ إِنَّ وِسَادَتَكَ لَعَرِيدٌ إِنَّمَا هُوَ السَّوَادُ اللَّيْلِ وَبَيَادُ النَّهَارِ صلى الله عليه وسلم So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم is Adi ibn Hatim he says when the verse was revealed that says until the White string becomes clear from the black string. This is the uh, literal translation. The black string becomes clear from the white string. 
when this verse was at Fajr time. You know, so it's the, the, the night ends and the day begins. The black string becomes clear from the white string. So this companion, Adi ibn Hatim radiallahu an, Allah be pleased with him, he said, O Messenger of God, I, may, I put under my pillow two pieces of string. One of them is white and one of them is black. And I use it to, to know the night from the day. <laughs> I put these two pieces of string and I use them to know the night from the day. Like at some point I can lift them and I can look and see like, okay, can I tell the difference between the two? This is night and day. And in one narration he said, uh, but, I, but I look at them at nighttime and I can't tell the difference between them. So the Prophet them. he said to him, he said to him, your pillow is wide. <laughs> your pillow is wide. <laughs> what he means by that is like you sleep, you sleep a lot, basically. So he's kind of like teasing him. You know, you, your issue, you sleep a lot. The issue here is not the two strings. It's, he said, your pillow is wide, to give the direct translation. Your pillow is wide. It is the dark of the night and the white of the day. The dark of the night and the white of the day. So he's telling him, that's not what it means. <laughs> what it means is... You, you know, the string on the horizon, if you watch the day begin on the horizon, there'll be kind of like a black line and a white line, and they become clear now. You can see the white. So now Fajr has begun. So this is the expression. But, you know, they were they're serious about it. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. It says to do that. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, well, عن عمر رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا أقبل الليل وأدبر النهار وغابت الشمس فقد أفطر الصائم. So he says uh, that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, and when the night comes and the day goes away and the sun sets, then at this point the one who's fasting, the time for breaking their fast has come. They're no longer fasting. Um, I wanted to mention something that I, uh, when I was uploading the last class, or maybe when I was just checking it or something, I happened to listen to one or two hadith, and I noticed that there were uh, ever so slight mistakes in, w- in a couple of things that I read. Um, so that's my that's my fault, you know. Um, I should probably clarify it if I can find it. I should try not to read hadith wrong. It's kind of a even if I'm in a rush, I should not do that. Um, in the, f- I think it was in the first hadith. Atana Rasul, Atana Rasuluk, fazama an zama lana annaka tazumu an Allah arsalaka. So this, there's, there's, basically it says, our me- your messenger came to us. And the way I, when I listened to it, I realized I had, instead of saying Atana Rasuluk, I had said Atana Rasulak, which doesn't really make sense. But, you know, anyways, for anyone who's listening in Arabic, like, don't take my reading. Um, this isn't a reading for like, uh, for like the passing of the Hadith. You know, make sure you follow the rules of the Arabic language. Go to the big mashayikh, read on them, inshallah. This is just just trying to go through the text, but I still shouldn't make those kind of mistakes. I apologize for that. An ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma qala kana linnabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mu'adhinan bilalun wa ibn ummi maktum al-a'ma. Faqala rasoolullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inna bilalan yu'adhinu bilayl fakunu wa shurabu hatta yu'adhinabnu 
ummi mektum. Kâle ve lem yekun beynehumâ illâ en yenzîle hâzâ ve yarqâ hâzâ. So this hadith is actually really important because it's connected to another issue that is somehow became commonplace in the community, although... Anyways, I'll get to it after I translate the hadith. I'm sorry, just the tea. If I miss the window, I miss the window. If there, you know, there's like the temperature. I'm going to have to microwave the tea, which just seems like bad form. Anyways, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, Allah be pleased with him and his father, he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had two mu'adhins, two people who called the adhan, the call to prayer. One of them was Bilal and the other one was Ibn Umm Maktoum who was blind. So one of them is Bilal and the other one is Ibn Umm Maktoum who was blind. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, Bilal calls the adhan when it's still night time. He calls the adhan when it's still night time. It's right before Fajr comes in, he calls it so people can get ready, they can make wudu, they can start to wake up, so on and so forth. It's just slightly before the actual time for Fajr. So he said, he calls it by night, so eat and drink until you hear the adhan of Ibn Umm Maktoum. And the narrator, he says, and the time between them wasn't very long at all. It was like the time that one of them would go up, like one of them would come down and the other one would go up. So the distance between them was short, but the Prophet ﷺ clarified this. Uh, now, what is the issue that comes up in the community? There's an issue that comes up in the community where uh, it was a misunderstanding. I mean, I don't want to name call, but a certain uh, individual who uh, dedicated much of his life to the study of hadith, which is a very noble thing. Um, but doesn't mean that you should necessarily be deriving rulings from those hadith. Uh, re- brought back an opinion that is very difficult to find in the books. I tried to find it. I spent a long time trying to find this opinion. The most of what I found was, and I could have been mistaken, maybe it's clear where it is, but the most I found was Ibn Qayyim in one of his works saying that some of the people in the early generations held this opinion. But he doesn't mention who, he doesn't say it's correct, any of that. Um... As far as I can recall, this was years ago. But anyways, what is the issue? There's a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ says, and it may come, uh, that if the person is eating or drinking something and they have it to their mouth and they hear the adhan, that they should finish what they have in their hand or their mouth. It's very commonly repeated in the masajid and stuff. Although this is not the position of any of the madhabs as far as I know. Um, um, So they say you should finish it. When you look at the commentary of the hadith, what do they say in the commentary of the hadith? They say the Prophet ﷺ said you should finish it because that is referring to the adhan of Bilal, not the adhan of Ibn Umm Maktoum. So now if you come today and you have the, the Fajr time that's set, and whether or not it's fully accurate is a different issue, but you, you probably shouldn't be eating up into the exact time that the, says Fajr on your phone anyways. But that's another topic, maybe it'll come up right now too. Um, uh, but that, that's not the same Like when you see Oh Fajr is 5.22 And you're like drinking your thing And you're like Well I have the cup here It's 5.22 I'm just going to finish That's not That's not the meaning of the hadith As understood by By, by the people of knowledge Even if you, you A person might look at it And understand that from it Why is it not the meaning Because of this one That we just read 
So the principle is that all of the texts have to be understood together. Uh, you can't just pick and, pick and choose them like that. As to the Fajr time since I brought it up, as to the Fajr time since I brought it up, the challenge with Fajr is, and I don't know, there are some people that are out of Southern California, so just take this with um, a grain of salt and apply it perhaps to your uh, under your situation. So here's the issue with Fajr. The sunrise is easy to um, calculate astronomically. The sunset is easy to ca- calculate astronomically. The ones that are a little bit harder to calculate are Fajr, which is dawn, and in some ways like Aisha, depending on the difference of opinion. But more the issue is around dawn. Why? Because dawn and when the light breaks from the horizon is dependent not only on the angles of the earth and the moon and the sun and everything else, or the earth and the sun, but it's also dependent upon atmospheric conditions. This is not like Jamal Diwan making this up. This is conversations that local imams had with um, Dr. Salama, who's a, uh, you know, like, he's an astronomer at Caltech, which is, you know, kind of a big deal. So uh, this is through conversation with him that we came to understand this issue, that um, that it, it can be dependent somewhat on atmospheric conditions, and those can vary depending even on your longitude, or your latitude, I'm sorry, like where you, where you are north and south. Um, so, for example, like what often in the prayer calculators, the different prayer methods, one of them will give you like Fajr at 15 degrees, one of them will give you Fajr at 18 degrees. They, they differ drastically, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes on the Fajr time. And whereas like one of them might be correct for a particular location, it might not be as correct for another location. All of this is very messy, I understand. So what happened locally? I can tell you what happened locally. What happened locally was that a number of younger imams, I was not amongst them, but I, I read their presentation, or I saw their presentation. A number of younger imams, they went out to uh, the desert here. You know, They tried to get far from the city to where light pollution would be less. And they got. They went out to the desert, and they sat there separately uh, at the time of Fajr, when Fajr comes in. And they sat separately, and they each noted when they thought Fajr came in, when it was very probable to them Fajr came in, and when they for sure knew that it came in. And they did that independently of each other, and they took pictures and stuff. And then they compared all of their results. And their conclusion was that at the 15 degree time, which is the Isna one on your phone apps usually, which is later, uh, Fajr was surely in. But it also seemed in some cases that it was likely to be in shortly before that as well, maybe like 10 minutes before that. So what was their uh, advice in the end? Their advice in the end was that Fajr itself should not be prayed until the 15 degree time the later Fajr time, and the fast should be assumed from like maybe 10 or 15 minutes before that. This is not like out of, we're just trying to be careful. This is out of, it might actually be 10 or 15 minutes before that. So 
Uh, it's not like someone's adding on. Someone will say, oh, but the Prophet them said, my sunnah is to, which we're going to come to also probably, my sunnah is to delay the fast, delay the starting of the fast and to speed up the breaking of the fast. Yes, as long as you know that it's the time. Uh, but this is just precautionary because there is a little bit of issue on this and we don't have like we live in cities with a bunch of light you can't just go to your rooftop and check out Fajr every day and be like okay I'm good now um, there's and we don't have an adhan that's that's unified right so this is it's a, it's a recommendation if you don't want to take it you feel really passionate about those 10 minutes um, you know alhamdulillah everyone has choices to make may Allah accept from all of us and I'm not saying that from like a threatening thing. I'm saying, may Allah accept from us. It doesn't bother me. Take your ten, You want your 10 minutes? Take your 10 minutes. It doesn't bother me. So I've told people this before they get mad at me. I'm like, okay, it's your fast. Do whatever you want. It's not, I'll do my fast. You do your fast. Inshallah, Allah accept from us. It's no problem. We get like passionate about the wrong things sometimes. Uh, anyways, next hadith. Alamatu al-Fajr al-Sadiq. Alamatu al-Fajr al-Sadiq. The sign of the true Fajr. The sign of the true Fajr. An Samura ibn Jundub radiyallahu anhu an al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam qal la yagurrannakum min sahurikum adhanu bilalin wa la bayadu al-ufuqi al-mustatilu hakadha hatta yastatira hakadha So he did hakadha wa hakadha so um, so likely does he say it here so he said that the prophet them said do not be deceived in the time of your suhoor in the time of your suhoor your pre-fajr meal by the adhan of Bilal because again, we, we just mentioned it's early. Or by the white that goes this way. The white that goes this way. Until you see the white that goes this way. So this is the the um, the definition of the the true Fajr and the false Fajr. They say, Fajr al-Sadiq and Fajr al-Kadhib. The true Fajr and the false Fajr. The false Fajr is a flash of light that just appears and it goes vertically. And then it disappears again. And then shortly after that, the light will begin and it will grow horizontally along the horizon and then increase. It will grow along the whole horizon like mustatir, this way, along the horizon. And that's the true Fajr. Look for that one. The next section is uh, fasting is required by seeing the uh, fasting is required and breaking the fast is required by the witnessing of the moon by the sighting of the moon ibn umar radiyallahu anhuma an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam qala la tusumu hatta tarawu al-hilal wa la tuftiru hatta tarawuhu fa in ghumma alaykum faqduru lahu وَاللَّفْظُ التِّرْمَذِي لَا تَسُومُ قَبْلَ رَمَضَانَ سُومُ لِرُؤْيَتِهِ وَأَفْطِرُ لِرُؤْيَتِهِ فَإِنْ حَالَتْ دُونَهُ غِيَابًا فَأَكْمِلُ ثَلَاثِينَ يَوْمًا وَلِلْبُخَارِ فَإِنْ غُمَّ عَلَيْكُمْ فَأَكْمِلُ عِدَّةَ شَعْبَانَ ثَلَاثِينَ وَفِي رِوَايَةَ فَإِنْ غُمَّ عَلَيْكُمْ فَسُومُ ثَلَاثِينَ يَوْمًا They're all the same meaning. What does it say? 
says Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, anhuma, he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Do not fast until you see the moon. And do not break your fast until you see the moon. Meaning like start Ramadan and end Ramadan. Don't start Ramadan until you see the moon. Don't end Ramadan until you see the moon. And if, um, and if it's cloudy, then uh, complete your 30 days. Complete the 30 days. So you go out on the night, uh, on the 29th, and you don't know, or the night of the 20, 29th, you don't know, is the month going to be 29 days or 30 days? Or do you go out on the 28th? What am I saying? Oh my God. What's going on with my head right now? Basically, you come to the end of the month, you go to sight the moon. You don't see it because it's cloudy. You finish 30 days. People often ask, what if you finish 30 days and then you go and you fast Ramadan and you sight the moon for Shawwal and the month was only 28 days? Right? But the month has to be 29 or 30. So what do you do? You make up a day. You make up a day afterwards. No problem. That's understood that these things happen. But there is a unification of the entire ummah around the moon. And the moon, subhanAllah, can, can be witnessed by anyone uh, at, any, at any place, any astronomical level, any knowledge level, any civilization, anyone, anywhere can all see the moon. And every single one of us throughout the month can look up and see the moon and think, subhanAllah, all the Muslims around the world are seeing the same moon. And they're thinking, now we're a little bit into the month. Now we're a quarter into the month. Now we're halfway into the month. Now we're getting into the second half of the month. All of it is, all of it is easily witnessable from the moon itself, subhanAllah. وَعَنْهُ عَنَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ إِنَّا أُمَّةٌ أُمِّيَّةٌ لَا نَكْتُبُ وَلَا نَحْسُبُ الشَّهْرُ هَكَذَا وَهَكَذَا يَعْنِي مَرَّةً تِسْعَةً وَعِشْرِينَ وَمَرَّةً ثَلَاثِينَ The Prophet ﷺ said, We are an unlettered nation. The people of the Prophet ﷺ, they were very simple people. And he says, so we don't write and we don't calculate. Not that everyone was un- illiterate, but that, you know, it wasn't like this highly academic civilization at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. They're very intelligent, but not academic. It's very important to distinguish between these two. Some people are very academic and they're not very intelligent. Some people are very intelligent, they're not very academic. Some people are both. Some people are neither. Hasbunallah wa ni'man wakil. But, you know, these, these, they're not necessarily one and the same. So he says, we're a, le- a, n- a nation that's unlettered. We don't write and we don't uh, calculate. The month is like this, sometimes, or like this. Sometimes 29 days, sometimes 30 days. Uh, of course, there's the all infamous now debate around uh, calculations and moon sighting. And, you know, it's not really necessary to tire ourselves with these things. Wherever our local community is, we can just go with that. If we really don't trust our local community, go with whoever you trust, but don't make a scene out of it. Most likely in your local community, there's going to be people who take both positions anyways. So you just start, starting is not really an issue. Just don't do it in people's face if you're eating or not eating or whatever it is. And if you're breaking and you need to pray Eid and the community you're normally a part of took one position and you prefer the other one, there's going to be some other local prayer that follows the one you took. So just move on with it and don't make a big deal out of these things. 
Just make sure that you fasted 29 or 30 days. That's the big issue. 29 or 30 days for Ramadan. Um, you know, we don't have to get into all these issues. Big, big scholars, because now there tends to be like certain... How do I say this without kind of overstepping my bounds a little bit? I, I feel like sometimes in the traditional quote-unquote camp, there's... Like sometimes a very narrow understanding of what that means. Um, and certain people just don't get included. Depending on which positions they take. Now they're not whether or not they're traditional. Um, quote unquote. But anyways, <coughs> there are very prominent scholars, not just in the modernist camp that held the calculations position. Um and if you want to research it, you can research it. We don't need to get into that right now. But uh, notably for us and our local community, Sheikh Mustafa Zarqa was one of them. Rahimahullahu <coughs> ta'ala. Who was the grandfather of our brother Omar Zarqa. And the father-in-law of our auntie, Khala Nuha Shughairi. So he, he was a great, great scholar. And his father was a great scholar. And his grandfather was a great scholar. Ebben on Jed. Like... Uh, so, you know, people held positions. And he held it very adamantly. He said this is one position. He had two of them. I can't remember what the second one was. But he said this one is one of the issues. I don't understand why we can't agree on this. He was very adamant about it. Allah have mercy on him. But, of course, many, many, many other people differed with that. And then there's a third position, by the way. Uh, the third position that some of the fiqh councils actually took, like Dar al-Ifta in Egypt and I believe Emja in America, is that you don't affirm the month by citing by by uh, the calculation but you can negate a citing by calculation so you go and witness the moon but if the calculations say it's impossible to see it on that night then and someone says no i saw it you reject that witnessing um but you have to see it to start the month anyways there's different positions on it we don't need to turn this into a fifth class uh, we're here to read the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and bathe in the beauty of his expressions. An Um Salama radiyallahu anha anna Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam ala min nisaihi shahran falamma mada tis'atun wa ishruna yawman ghada aw raha faqila lahu innaka halafta an la tadkhula shahran faqala inna shahra yakuna tis'atan wa ishrina yawman. So he says, uh, says the Prophet ﷺ, Um Salama narrates, his wife, narrates that he stayed away from his wives for an entire month. Basically he said, I'm not going to come near you all for a month. They had some sort of difference. They were trying to sort it out. And the Prophet ﷺ said, I'm not approaching you in a, like, with intimacy for a month. We're going to be, in a sense, separated, but I don't know if I should use that term. Then 29 days passed and he came back to his family. So they told him, uh, you said you weren't going to come for a month. And he said, the month is like this, it's 29 days. So the 29 days passed, then he came. They returned and they reconciled. And, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, everything was okay. And Abi Bakrata radiallahu anhu anna nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal shahra shahra eidin 
شهر عيد لا ينقصان رمضان وذو الحجة شهر عيد لا ينقصان رمضان وذو الحجة what this means is the Prophet said the two months of Eid it's very rare that the two months of Eid will both come on 29 days it's a hadith of the Prophet that the two months of Eid they do not come Ramadan and Dhun Hijjah at 29 days so they generally doesn't happen this is what he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, doesn't mean that it can't happen It just means that it's most likely doesn't It doesn't happen very often لا ينقصان غالبا في سنة واحدة He says in the commentary He says most of the time it doesn't happen in the same year Most of the time it doesn't happen in the same year um, If we start the next section We won't be able to finish So we're going to stop here on Tathbutu Ru'yatun Hilali Walobi Shahadati Adlin that the sighting of the moon uh, is affirmed even if only by one upright witness. Even if it's only one upright witness who sees it, then that counts as the beginning of the month. Hada wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbi. Allahumma barik lana fi Shaban. وَبَلِّغْنَا رَمَضَانَ اللَّهُمَّ بَارِكْ لَنَا فِي شَعْبَانَ وَبَلِّغْنَا رَمَضَانَ اللَّهُمَّ بَارِكْ لَنَا فِي شَعْبَانَ وَبَلِّغْنَا رَمَضَانَ Allah bless us in Shaban and allow us to reach the month of Ramadan. Uh, it's also important that I, I say as a reminder to all of my brothers and sisters that the Prophet ﷺ used to fast a lot in the month of Shaban. ﷺ used to fast a lot in the month of Shaban to the point that he was asked, we see you fast so much in Sha'ban more than any other month, obviously other than Ramadan, more than any other month. And he said, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that Sha'ban is a month that falls between Rajab, which is one of the sacred months, it's one of the holy months, and Ramadan, which of course is Ramadan. And so, because it, he said, because it falls between these two great months, many people neglect it. So this is the first point that he says that. And there's a, there's a general wisdom in that. And they, they apply this also to like worship on the night of Eid. That many people neglect to worship on the night of Eid. They're just celebrating everything else. So the one who worships in the night of Eid, they get extra reward. So this is a general thing from the, that the Fuqaha talked about, the people of knowledge that the Prophet gave kind of like a hint towards. That when you find times when people are being heedless, to worship in those times has greater reward. You know, and perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala write it for us. We live in a time when many people don't worship Allah at all. So hopefully even the smallest amounts of worship that we do will be counted as worship in a time of heedlessness, inshaAllah. Uh, but the Prophet says, and then we said number one, it's a month that falls between these two months, so many people are neglectful towards it. And number two, he said, and it's a month wherein the deeds are raised. The deeds are raised. And uh, so I like to be fasting when that happens. So I like to be fasting when that happens. The Prophet ﷺ also said this about Monday and Thursday, that the deeds are raised on Monday and Thursday. So this also is something that just I want to say a word about. Uh, there are daily raisings of deeds, there are weekly raisings of deeds, and there are yearly raising of deeds. 
And of course our deeds are always being raised in a sense. They're always known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is kind of like an added uh, emphasis. The daily raising is right before Fajr and right before Maghrib. When the shifts of the angels change. So the, uh, right before Maghrib the shifts of the, 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 day, the day angels go and the night angels come. And then right before Fajr the night angels go and the day angels come. And at this changing of the guard, so to speak, there is a raising of the deeds at both of those. And we notice from the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ that these are times wherein remembrance of Allah is particularly emphasized. To be in dhikr, to be in worship. Right before Fajr, uh, uh, you know the verses on that, that they, they in, the middle, in, in that time of the night they are yastaghfirun, they're asking Allah's forgiveness. And then, of course, also right before Maghrib. Um, <coughs> so that's number one. Number two is on Monday and Thursday. And they say that, um, uh, like at the time of Tahajjud, yeah. Like at the time of Tahajjud. Um, for, the, for the weekly raisings of Monday and Thursday, that this happens, um, starts then from uh, the night of Monday. In this case, uh, so Monday and the night before it's Sunday night. This is why people often hold dhikr gatherings on Sunday nights. And why the Prophet ﷺ would fast on Monday. And then when it comes to Thursday, the Prophet ﷺ would fast on Thursday. And then, uh, you know, right afterwards, that's also a meritorious time for gatherings of dhikr and so on and so forth. But that's also related to Friday because the Prophet ﷺ told us to praise him a lot on Fridays. But in any case, Monday and Thursday he fasts ﷺ. And he specifically said that's because those are days wherein the deeds are raised and I like to be fasting when the deeds are raised. So this is established on both of these. About Monday and Thursday and then also about the month of Sha'ban that the Prophet ﷺ said that. And that's when he likes to fast. Uh, a related question that I read that I thought was interesting was someone might ask, if the psalm of Dawood, if the fasting of David is the best fasting, to fast one day and leave one day, and fast one day and leave one day, and fast one day and leave one day, then why did the Prophet not exactly do that? He didn't fast one day, leave one day. And they said that actually because the Prophet, although he would end up fasting essentially like half of the year, uh, is because he would fast Monday and Thursday, and he would fast the white days. And then some days he would add days. He would add like Thursday and then Friday, Saturday or Sunday, Monday or the middle of the month he would do days. And then there's extra days that are meritorious like Arafah and Ashura. And then he would spend a lot of time in Shaban. So they said that he essentially would fast the same thing roughly half the year. But, um, but he's paying attention to like the days of extra merit to make sure that it falls on those two. So, uh, you know, Allahu Alam, may Allah make us people of fasting and um, accept from us, inshallah, and allow us to reach the month of Ramadan. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sallam wa sallam. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa anna astaghfiru wa natubu ilayk. If there's any questions or anything, anu sahna.